empty. That's what we're talking about. For the month of November, we're looking at empty and, and what does it mean to be empty? I, I thought about this a little bit and, and you know, to, uh, we empty out our dishwasher, right? We empty out our dishwasher. We might empty out our water bottles or might, we might empty, we might be an empty in our gas tank. You know, we got to go by and, you know, refill the tank or whatever it is. Um, but there's an emptying that happens in scripture. In Philippians chapter two, it says Jesus emptied himself. He emptied himself. And this idea of emptying yourself, it didn't mean he, he was empty of himself of, 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 of uh, who he is or who he was, but he emptied his privileges, his divine privileges, and he left heaven and he came to earth. And there is this incredible richness in being empty. So for the next uh, few weeks in the month of November, we're going to look at this word empty and how it's personified in scripture. There is a famous story in the Old Testament I shared earlier involving a man named Abraham and his son Isaac. You know, after Jonah and the, and the whale or the fish and uh, maybe somewhat the Red Sea, this is probably one of the top five out there. It's probably one of the top five. God asks Abraham to do something that just seems illogical. It seems cruel, just seems cruel. And it's a rich, rich story. As we look at this, this right here, this moment right here, put Abraham on the map. It put him on the map. And we learn a lot about Abraham's emptiness, his willing to give up his divine or his, his privileges, his rights, so to speak. And he gives up himself to be obedient to God. He's not divine, of course, he's human, but he gave up a lot on the inside to be obedient to God. So that's what we're looking at, this famous story, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Here it is. Sometime later, God what did he do? He, God tested, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. And what did he say? Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up. How, how did he get up? What time of the day? Got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. 
When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know. Say, now I know with me, now I know that you truly fear God. You've not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yira, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Oh, Lord, open up our eyes and speak through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Incredible, rich story. You hear this story, and it seems like just a cruel request, doesn't it? Uh, you know, we love our kids. Most of us love our kids. I should say that. <laughs> we love our kids. They're our hard on legs. I know sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's trying. But uh, it, it, we love our kids. And Abraham uh, knows God, incidentally, does not approve of human sacrifices. So that's what makes this all kind of strange. And there's other pagan gods where human sacrificing was appropriate. But this is different. This is different. You have to understand the context a little bit. Abraham has a promise from God that he's going to be a great nation. And, and now nothing is, you know, he eventually, his, his wife gets pregnant. And, and he had two sons. The other one was Ishmael. And he lost Ishmael. Hagar and Ishmael left them. So this is son number two. This is the last one he has. And he doesn't understand what's happening. But he says, he says uh, you know what? I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and do it. And I think eventually all of our faith will be tested. And whatever you believe, whatever you think about, your faith will be tested. Sooner or later, God will ask you to give up something you love as evidence that you love him more. Sooner or later. Eventually, there's going to be a crossroad in your life where God's going to say, are you willing to trust me with that? Are you willing to give that to me, whatever it might be? I think the challenge with this whole story is we walk and we, we make decisions. We walk in our senses. We walk in our senses. Our decisions are based on what we think makes sense. Think about that a little bit. If I have the money, then I'll go ahead and do it. If I have the time, then I'll go ahead and do it. If my life lines up and my career lines up, then I'll go ahead and do this. If it makes sense, I'll do it. And it's all about that kind of, you know, it's about if there's little risk to no risk, then I'll do it. If I have the resources, then I'll do it. So we live like that. We live life based on our senses. But then there's a time when, when what happens when this, when God will ask you to do something that doesn't make sense. What do you do then? What do you do when, when God says, I want you to go walk up to that stranger and I want you to talk to them? Do you do it? Doesn't make any sense. What do you do when God says, I want you to honor me 
with your finances and you say, I, I can't even make it right now and you want me to honor you with my finances. It doesn't make sense, does it? What do you do when God says, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to leave that job and, and you're thinking, well, I don't have another job and it doesn't make sense. What do you do when God says, I want you to get out of that relationship and you're thinking, well, I, that, I, you, know, you don't understand, it's complicated. It doesn't make sense. What do you do when God says, I want you to do something and it doesn't make sense. This whole story doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. And incidentally, where is Sarah in this whole story? Where is she at? I think she's like any mama. Any mamas in the house? You know what I'm talking about? You love your babies. And you know what? I, I could only imagine Sarah, if she, was, if she knew about this, she would be like, oh, no, you're not. I don't care. You went to church one time and you heard that in the message. Forget it. You're not going to do that. I don't know what you're thinking. That's my baby. That's my baby. No way. She's mysteriously absent in this whole story. And I think Abraham just knew this was intense. And he didn't want anything to impede his obedience to God. He didn't want anything to impede and we don't know what Sarah's personality is like. She might be one of those people that needs to know everything. Like, what are you talking about? Taking him to a, a mountain? For what now? What do you mean taking him to a mountain? To, what, are you, what are you talking? Wood? A knife? What, you're taking fire with you? And you're going to go up to sacrifice? What, what are you talking about? Some of us struggle. We just need to know everything. You know, like when you go on a trip, you're like, where are we going to be staying at? And what kind of food are they going to serve? You know, I'm vegan. I can't eat just everything. And what will the temperature be like? And how will we get around? And, and where will we go? And, and, and how many, you know, do they have a washing machine? Do they have a dryer? You know, we just need to know everything. And Sarah's like, you know who you are, right? <laughs> and Sarah's like, you know, she's just absent. And Abraham practices this obedience. Just obedience. And this is not the first time they're exercising this kind of obedience. Not the first time. In fact, it was many years before. Abraham was promised this son in Genesis chapter 12. Sarah couldn't get pregnant. So Sarah has this idea of, hey, 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 baby, I have this maidservant, and I think it's a great idea for you to have sex with her. And, and that'll be the promised child. And of course, that just created a big mess. Well, when the promise happened, when the promise was given, to Abraham, and you read about that in Genesis chapter 12, it's 25 years later that she's pregnant with Isaac. It's 25 years later, and we don't know how old Isaac is in this story. Bible scholars have said, well, he could have been maybe 10 years old, 12 years old, he could have been younger, but he could have been as old as 30. We don't know. The only clue we have is when he was walking with his dad, he recognized, hey, um, we have the wood, we have the fire. Where's the, where's the burnt offering? Where's the lamb? Where's the bull? So he had an understanding of how this thing works. He understood the sacrificial system a little bit, and he was able to articulate to dad, dad, um, I, there's something missing. We're not carrying any. We're not dragging anything. What's going on? The promise was given, and Abraham has one son. 25 years waiting. He gets, his wife gets pregnant, and now, now Isaac's at a certain age, and now God says, now I want you to kill your son on an altar for me. Doesn't make any sense. God's a loving God, right? This doesn't make any sense. What is God up to? Abraham doesn't know. And Abraham travels and he goes and I'm sure his thinking is, what about the promise? That's the title of today's message. What about the promise? I don't understand. You gave me a promise 
And this, this Isaac is the fulfillment of the promise. It's going to happen through Isaac. We're old already. Remember, Abraham and Sarah are old. It was a miracle that she got pregnant. And now God is saying, okay, I want you to sacrifice the promise. Sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make any, any sense. But here's what I want you to see. This wasn't about producing any faith inside of Abraham. It was not producing. It was revealing. It was exposing. Let me say it this way. What if the purpose of your test and trials is to expose what's already inside of you? What if the times you have problems in your life and you're going through a difficulty and things are crazy and maybe you feel potentially just stressed or whatever it is and you, what if, what if the purpose of that was to, to, to bring up what's already inside of you so that you can see, so that you can see your faith or lack of faith, so that you can see your relationship with God or lack of relationship with God. Because God knows who we are. God knows our breaking point. God knows all that. So it's not like Abraham, you know, went to this mountain and on top of the mountain, his faith was greater. Although that's possible, his faith was already, really great. Verse one says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith and Abraham, uh, God called and, and, and he replied, here I am. It's the only word Abraham utters to God in this whole thing. Here I am. And his attitude is, what do you want, God? I'm your man, God. Do whatever you want. I mean, it's an attitude of attentiveness and receptivity. And he chopped wood up for a fire. Did you catch that? Why would he chop up wood? Well, he doesn't know where he's going. He just knows it's the land of Moriah. And he doesn't know where they're going to stop. He doesn't know if there's going to be any wood wherever he's going. He doesn't know there's going to be any tree. So he chops up wood. Verse four said, on the third day of their journey, <laughs> Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And when I saw this, I just underlined this in my Bible on the third day of their journey. This didn't happen overnight. Abraham says, God, I'm going to obey you. And he gets his son and he says, come on, boy, let's go ahead and go on a little trip. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and go. On. Sarah's not mentioned. So you might look at this and say, well, this was kind of impulsive of Abraham. This was impulsive. It's like being in a church service and you feel like God speaks to you and, and people around you are like, whoa, 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 just, you know, chill out. I mean, wow, you, don't, you got that from the message? Just chill out kind of thing. It's like when I, when I felt like God was calling me to be a pastor, I had people saying, whoa, chill out, Reuben. What are you talking about? That's not, you know, wow, you're taking this to an extreme. He had three days to contemplate this decision. He had time to reflect on his decision. And in those three days, he was resolute. He's like, I'm going to go through this. God spoke to me undeniably clear. He spoke to me and I'm going to be obedient to God. He had three days to contemplate this whole thing. And here's where the Lord just took me. Verse two, the Lord told him, take your son, your only son, First of all, take your son. You need to understand the feeling behind this. This is a choice. This is a choice. Abraham had absolute freedom of choice. Should he refuse, he would not incur any guilt. And then he says, your only son. Some versions say, 
your favored one. It's like parents, if I asked you who's your favorite kid, what are you going to say? I know. They're all special. What if you had one? What if you had one? You can always tell which parents have one kid because you can, you can see how they love that kid. That kid is the recipient of all their love. It's just special. And this is his only one, the favored one. It's his last and his first. It's his only one. And God says, I want you to give me your only one, your favored, the one that you love so much. Now, let's just be honest, guys. Some of you struggle to give away your last French fry. I, I know you do. That's just who you are. You're like, you don't want to give away your last French fry because that French fry is for you. And, you know, so when we have the only one, the last one, we like, kind of guard it. We're like, this is, this is my last one. You don't understand. I can't give away my last one. I don't have another one if I give it to you. And I don't want you to have it and not me. God goes right for the jugular with Abraham and says, I want you to give me your favored one. Now, this is the emptying. This is the emptying of Abraham. This is where he's at. He says, he says I want you to do that. Um, what do you love? Who do you love? What's your last one? What is it that you're wanting to fight over? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. That's strong, isn't it? If you give up, if you give up. So, so I, want, I want you to hear this. It's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost you something. It's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost you something. Abraham, it was his one and only his favored one, his last one. It was the promise. That's who Isaac is. It's the promise. And God is saying, okay, now I want you to give me him. And Abraham's like, God, you're just messed up in the head. This doesn't make any sense. This is a promise. We've waited 25 years for this, God. And this is a promise. You're not making any sense. You know what God's doing? God's saying, are you going to trust me, the blesser? Are you going to trust me? See, it's about the journey, guys. You need to understand that. It's about the journey. Let me just help you right now in life. The, the, the tape that you run through is in heaven. And in this world, it's all a journey. And it's a journey of trusting God, learning to walk by faith, learning to surrender, learning to, to, to just worship him with all of your life and trust him with all the unknowns. It's a journey. The problems, the trials, the tests, everything is about you growing closer to Jesus and getting to know who God is and learning to depend on him. Some of you need to hear this. You'll never graduate from depending on God. You'll never graduate from depending on God. Just get that in your head. You're never going to graduate from walking by faith. You're never going to graduate from walking by faith. You're never going to graduate from any of those things. God is called. It's a journey. It's a lifelong journey with God on this side of heaven. It's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost you something. Here's our problem today. And I shared this in Oregon with a bunch of men. I believe we have lost the art of abandonment. We've lost the art of sacrifice 
Because today we have convinced ourselves that we could have both. You can keep something, you can have what you want, and you can also get, get, be blessed as well. You, you, you don't necessarily have to be completely obedient. You can have both worlds. You, you can hold on to this and you can also have this. But there's a level in your relationship with God that involves sacrifice. And saying, God, I'm willing to let go of this and I'll be obedient to you, God. That pleases God. That's not outdated. That hasn't expired. For some of you, you might think, you know, gosh, I don't understand why my life isn't better and why are problems and this kind of thing. Well, here's the reason why things keep falling apart. Here's the reason why you're not soul happy, soul deep, peaceful. It's because God is not your top love. Jesus is not your top love. And we're really chasing love in our life. We chase the things, we spend money on things that we love. So God wants to be, he's a consuming fire. He wants to be your top love. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. He said, if you really love me, obey my commandments. So it's really a question of love. Let me ask you this question. What do you love that doesn't love you back? What do you love that doesn't love you back? You love it or them, or him, or her, or whatever it is. You love it, and it really doesn't love you back, and you know that. In fact, you may have a little bit of guilt. You might have a little bit of shame. You might feel dirty. You might feel empty. Whatever it is, you love something, but it doesn't love you back. We can love things or people that don't love us like God loves us. And you know how we, we know this? We say this to ourselves. We say this. There's no way I can let go of this. There's no way. Uh, did you guys know Taylor Swift wrote a new album? Everybody know that? If, if, you know, I'm, you know, if, you're, if you're hip and up to date like me, you would know that. Uh, we were seriously, my daughter is the one who told me. I had no idea, guys. And, and, uh, but oh my word, she, her songs are like the top 10, top 10 billboard. It's amazing, this, uh, you know, in our generation. But she wrote this um, uh, new album called Midnights. We went to Dutch Bros, and, and the person who helped us out knew about the new album. I mean, it's like a big thing. But uh, Taylor Swift, uh, Midnights is, a, is the title. I cannot endorse all of the lyrics, so let me just tell you that. But she has a new Dear John song, big surprise. And uh, this one is support supposedly uh, reportedly uh, involving John Mayer when she was 19 years old. But in there, the lyrics say this, your crisis of my faith would have, could have, should have, if I'd only played it safe. So she said, there's a lot of spiritual things in this song. And I, I thought about that, would have, could have, should have. If we knew what we love would not love us back, would we have done it differently? Would have, could have, should have. Why did I love? I think we could get entangled with things that we shouldn't be entangled with. See, here's the problem. You can form an emotional bond with something that has you spiritually bound. Do you hear that? It's because you love it. You can form an emotional bond with something that has you spiritually bound. You know it's not good for you. You know it's not right for you to look at that. You know it's not good for your soul. You feel different when you, see, when you watch too much, too much of those videos. Whatever it is, you, you just know it's not right, but you're, you just, there's something, there's just a deep desire. You just enjoy it. You love it. And there's this 
emotional bond that happens between you and it or them or him or her, whatever it is. And now it has you almost spiritually bound. We had to take uh, one of our bedroom furnitures uh, to a professional furniture repair guy. I, I did this this last week. And, uh, I, and I, I put the stuff in Mike Stara, and I drove down, like it was way down south, but the guy's amazing. He can just really repair furniture, and he just knows. He's very gifted when it comes to wood. And I, I pulled it out of the Xterra, and I put it down, and I was like showing him, oh, this is where the crack is, this is where the break is. And he looked at it, and he said, um, what did you do? And I said, what, what, what do you mean? He goes, you glued it. And I'm like, well, that wasn't me who did it. First of all, someone else who tried to fix the problem. <laughs> but anyway, I was like, well, I, I, uh, why, why is that bad? I felt like he was chastising me because I, you know, there was glue. And he goes, don't ever glue it. He said, is it water soluble? And I said, I, I have no idea if it's water soluble. I don't know if it comes off with water. And he says, well, I hope it does. It'll be easier. He said, if it's not water soluble, he said, then it's hard. And I'm going to have to break up the whole bed to fix this. Did you hear that? He said, I'm going to have to break up the whole bed to fix this. And I thought about that, and I thought, oh, my goodness. You know, the question is, what are you glued to? What are you glued to? Your friend, your spouse, your kid, your money, your lifestyle, your car, your plan, your body. What are you glued to? Your time? That guy, that gal? What are you glued to that just has... You know, I won't say it this way. You don't know what you're stuck to until someone tries to pull you away from it. That's when you know you're stuck to it. And for some of us, it's not water-soluble glue. It's hard glue. And let me just tell you, it's going to be messy to pull it apart from you. But it's, it's a good thing. Because God wants to be the first love in your life. You hear that? Glory to God. God wants to be the first love in your life. And sometimes he has to just go in with a hammer and mess up that whole furniture to fix it at the end because the glue was too hard. It became one piece. And now it has you spiritually bound. You hear that? This is so good preaching, guys. It has you spiritually bound. And God wants to set you free from that because he wants to be the love of your life. We know things that you're glued to. Let me just say a few things right now because this will be evidence of what you're glued to. Here it is. You need to forgive someone who's hurt you. For some of you, you're like, mm, I don't like that. You're glued to it. You need to give up your time to serve God every single week. Yeah, some of you just came up with a whole bunch of reasons in your head why that's not possible. You're glued to it. You, you, you worship your time. You're glued to it. You need to attend church every single weekend and come early. Yeah, I lost you. You need to honor God with your finances, a full tithe. Start there and see whatever. So I lost some of you. Just by saying those words, you're glued to it. See, it's not hard to find a church with teaching that you agree to. You know that, right? You can find one. It's hard to find churches that are biblically, biblically founded and are willing to speak truth all the time in love. It's hard to find those churches. But what are you glued to? What are you stick to? You only know it when, you're try, when, it's, when it's being pulled apart from you. God is testing what Abraham is glued to. God wants to know, Abraham, do you really trust me? Do you really do? Do you trust that I'll take care of you? 
God is saying, you know what? I know, I, I know Isaac's the promise, but if you sacrifice Isaac, do you trust me that I could provide another way? I know you were thinking this was the plan, but do you trust me that I can provide another plan? Are you willing to sacrifice your perception? Are you willing to sacrifice your understanding? See, I think we've told ourselves something that's not true. Because I love something or someone, it must be good. Think about that. We've told ourselves, and it's all over our culture. Because I love something or I love someone, it must be good. But here's the problem with that. We can worship something that God has given us. We can worship anything we love to worship, and it could become our idol. Something good can become more important than our relationship with God. It can. We can forget the giver and worship the blessing. It's not about the gift. It's about the giver. When God knows how bad you want the gift, he knows the gift can become an idol in your life. And he, he needs to know he can give you something without replacing him. There it is. God wants to know if he can give you something without it replacing him. I've had people, I had this one guy, I'll never forget. He was an attorney and, and, and he, he, he wanted a job and I prayed with him and, and lo and behold, he got the job and the job was so demanding on him, he eventually stopped going to church completely and he threw himself into that job. Well, we prayed for him to have that job and now his spiritual life looked very different or God allows you to have a toy or God allows you to have a job or God allows you and God is a good God. He wants to bless you or God gives you resources. You pray to get out of a financial situation. God delivers you. You pray for a new job. God gives you a new job. You pray for health. God gives you health. God spared you in that accident, whatever it is. And God gives it to you. And then we can forget God and we can worship the very thing that God gave us. We can worship because that's who we are. We, it could become an idol in our lives. We are creatures of worship. Anything can become an idol in your life. We worship the blessing instead of the blesser. And this whole story is God's telling Abraham, look, I, I, I blessed you with this son. Now will you, are you going to remember? Are you going to remember who's God? Are you going to remember who's the blesser? Are you going to trust me? And if I say I want you now to give me that blessing, are you going to do that? Are you going to do that? Verse 9 says, When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Other versions, this word bound literally means to bind bent limbs together. It's literally this picture. And it's not found in any other place where there's a ritual involved with God. And, and it's, it's this idea of tying together the forefeet and the hindfeet of the animal. Here's the message for you. It's possible to bind that which has you bound. Which has bound you. It's possible that thing that you're glued to. That thing where it's like, this is just, it's just messy and it's just part of my life. It's possible by the power of God in the name of Jesus, with the help of God, to bind what has bound you for so long. To set you free. To set you free. Yeah, you can put your hands together for that. Praise the Lord. God wants to set you free. <laughs> Scripture says, And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Wow. You think he was going to do it? 
the story, you know, I, I have, I've seen this picture before of, of Abraham getting ready to thrust this knife into his son. First of all, I, I, I look at that and I think, gosh, his son, what was he thinking? What was the relationship like with his son? I mean, how many of, how many of us would have kids that were saying, you're not going to do that to me? You know what I mean? You must have kids and say, there's no way, I'm bolting. You know what I mean? But this whole thing, it's like, okay, dad, I trust you. Tie up my hands. Dad, I trust you. Tie up my feet. What it says so much about, about Isaac. It says so much about him. Then it says, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for, there it is again, for now I know. Say, now I know with me. Now I know. Now I know that you truly fear God. Wow. I look at that, first of all, and I think, wow. So God, if you look at that right there, there's this message that God, like, he, he, he had an idea he, he, Abraham always said the right things. I mean, he went to church and he was a good Hebrew and, and he prayed and he cried out to God. But here in this verse right here, it says, God says, now I know. Now I know. See, Abraham was willing to give up, sacrifice his only one. You hear that? His beloved. The thing that he valued the most. And God says to Abraham, now I know. See, we could, we, could, uh, we could convince ourselves of all kinds of things. It's super easy to convince yourself you're a good person when things are going your way. It's really easy to say I'm full of integrity when it's not being tested. It's really easy to say I'm giving, I'm a giving person when I, you know, every once in a while I give. I mean, you can convince and reason within yourself, but I want to say this. Now I know moments speak louder to God than your best intentions. It's when you say, okay, <laughs> this has been in my house and I'm throwing it away now. That's a now I know moment. I've been listening to this. I'm going to uninstall this. I'm going to throw this away. I'm going to, I'm going to unfriend this person. It's not good for me. I'm going to move out. I'm going to quit this. I'm, now I know moments are powerful moments. That's when God says, okay, you've been giving me lip service for a long time. Now I know you worship me. Now I know you love me. Because we can convince ourselves of all kinds of stuff. Time when you write out that check and you say, I remember the times when I started honoring God with a tithe. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to do this. And I remember when, at one point, you know, wasn't making a whole bunch of money. And it was just, okay, I got a, I got a tithe off of like $70 or $50 and okay, it's five bucks. But you know, when you start adding zeros, it becomes, you know, hard. It's like, okay, are you sure, God? <laughs> you were okay with my $5 tithe before. <laughs> Why do you need all this now, God? And I said, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. Now I know moments. Do you have a now I know moment? Do you have a now I know moment? God is saying, I want you to sacrifice this. I want you to honor me with this. I want you to trust me with this. I want you to change the way you live. I want you to change the way you think. I want you to change. And, and, and it's a now I know moment where you say, okay, God. And God sees it. And then he's like, okay, now I know. You're not going through the motions. Glory to God. Now I know. Now I know. It's easy. 
See, to empty yourself means to empty yourself of control. Are you okay with not knowing? Are you okay with trusting God? Are you okay with going forward and just walking by faith? Are you okay with not having control? Are you okay with, I mean, if God calls you, I mean, are you okay with just trusting him? See, God is not a God of leftovers. He's not a God of, you know, your second love. He's okay with being a second love, or he's okay with being a one-night stand, or he's okay with you coming to him once a month, and he's good. He's, that's not the kind of God he is. He's God, supreme, creator of the world, managing the cosmos. He is God, and there's nobody like Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega. See, Bible scholars have said 2,000 years later from this whole event, 2,000 years later, God sent his only son, and the place that he sent his son was this general area of Moriah, where Jesus was crucified, is the same general area where Abraham almost offered his son Isaac. But God followed through. There was nothing, nothing that stopped him. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the gospel message. See, God stopped Abraham and said, Stop, I'm going to provide this ram. But when you look at John chapter 3, verse 16, God followed through. He provided his one and only son, Jesus. And he went to the cross for you and for me. And now we can put our faith in Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian, to invite Jesus into your heart, to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And it happened in the same general area where Abraham almost offered his son, Isaac. The other thing I see in this story is you look at Abraham and Isaac, is I look at Mount Moriah, this area that they were in, this, this mountainous mountain. Anybody enjoy hiking? You just enjoy, you know, maybe you're, you enjoy hiking those 14ers, whatever it is. But when you look at Abraham, Abraham got, got, got Isaac and said, let's go ahead and hike up this mountain. And we don't know how high the mountain was, but on one side, there's unknowns. On one side, there's faith. On one side, there's trust. On one side, there's obedience. And you know what he didn't know? God was working on the other side of the mountain. Glory to God. And he was calling a ram. I think the sole purpose of that ram was to be an offering that day for Abraham. And God lured that ram. Oh, I don't want to lose you. He lured that. Maybe that ram was wandering, but he wasn't wandering. God was leading him. And eventually that ram met up on the top and got caught up in a thicket. And some sagebrush, whatever it was, this bush, this thicket, got caught up. How in the world did he get caught up? And I look at this and I think, boy, this is our life right here, guys. We're operating on this side of the mountain. We don't see things clearly. And God just says, be obedient. Be obedient. Trust me. Just trust me. And we don't have a full picture. And we're challenged. And we're like, okay, God, I don't understand everything that's going on. But but see, what you need to know is on the other side of the mountain, God is already at work in your life. Glory to God. God is already at work on the other side of the mountain. You just don't see it. He's doing something, but you'll never discover it 
unless you're obedient. You'll never discover it unless you walk by faith. You won't ever see it. They they won't intersect at all unless you stay obedient to God and you say, God, I'm going to trust you. See, God is preparing to bless you. Verse 15 says like this, the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withhold even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name, that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. Do you see all that? And through your descendants, all your nations of earth will be, what church will be? And why is that? Read it out loud. All because you have obeyed me. Wow. Hear this. On one side of the mountain is your obedience. On the other side of the mountain is your blessing. Isn't that good? On one side of the mountain is your, I, guys, this is so, on one side of the mountain is your obedience. On the other side of the mountain is your blessing. Glory to God. And God just wants you to be obedient. He'll provide. He is a good God. And he wants to, he wants to know, do you love me most? Do you really love me most? You need a now I know moment. You need a now I know moment. Let God look at your obedience, look at your faith, and he'll say, now I know. Now I know. And let me just tell you, that thing that you're stuck to, that thing that you're glued to, can never fulfill you like Jesus. It could never give you satisfaction like Jesus. It could never take care of you like Jesus. It could never provide for you like Jesus. It could never give you joy like Jesus. It can never give you peace like Jesus. Don't fool yourself. Don't believe the lie of the devil. Don't do it. Put your heart and faith and trust God. Abraham believed the promise would still come to fruition. And let me just close with this. In Romans, Paul said, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping because that he would, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's what? Promise. In fact, what happened? His faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced, say fully convinced with me, fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he, what? Fully convinced. And that's what he did. There's this song by Maverick City Music. Um, I heard it over there at the stadium in downtown Denver beautiful and we've sung it here many times it's called promises you know that song and uh it starts off with god of abraham it's beautiful the way it starts off god of abraham that's what we're talking about today but also in there it says i put my faith in jesus my anchor to the ground my hope and firm foundation he'll never let me down and that's it you gotta put your anchor in Jesus. You got to put your faith in Jesus. On this side, there's obedience. On the other side, there's a blessing. Glory to God. And God God wants to look at you and says, okay, now I know. Now I know. You're willing to sacrifice that. Now I know. You're willing to give that up. Now I know. You're willing to walk away. Now I know. God wants to have a now I know moment with you. And it starts with your obedience. Test God. 
Yes, God, now I know. He's the anchor of our soul. Let's worship together, guys. Stand up. Let's worship hard. Let's worship hard.